A lot of your guests have talked about this, mm. and this is why I really like the show, because I had this uneasy feeling that I couldn't just chalk up to my anxiety. I'll never be able to explain it. I could feel it in my, my stomach, and something just wasn't right. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Something just didn't feel right. So welcome along, everybody. This is the Still Parents Podcast. We are live. Uh, it is Sunday night. Thank you very much who's joining us for the live stream. If uh, you're listening back to this on your podcast provider, whenever that is, in whatever date that is, thank you very much. And we would uh, love to hear from you. If you'd like to get in touch, maybe come on the show. You can come on briefly. You can join us for the whole show. Get at us through our Instagram, stillparentspodcast.page. There, stillparentspodcast.co.uk is our website. I'm Dan. I'm here with Ryan and Matt, as always, from the Lily May Foundation. How are you, gents, first of all? Very well, thank you, Daniel. Very well. All good, all good, all good. And we are joined today. We've got another American guest on today. Is he our fifth now? Fourth, fifth, right? Sure, we're going to start chanting USA every time we come into <laughs> here. The amount of American guests we've had on recently. We've got to get a trip out of this at some point. And I think um, David <laughs> Kashavarov, if um, if you're listening, we've had him on with us again recently. You're actually not too far away uh, from our guest today, who is Joseph. Sorry, not Joseph. No, nope. Joe, Joe Chapman. Joseph just is what? Joe. Just Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, because it says Joseph on the uh, the Zoom call. It does, it? doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do you only get called Joseph when you're in trouble? then yeah i told you uh, you know back in the day <laughs> when i did something bad my mom would call me joseph and it's in that okay, mum voice it's in that mum voice as well isn't and it that, and that's when i knew yeah. uh, that's when i knew you know that shit hit the fan <laughs> so I was, it was not gonna be good it was no. not gonna be a good day but you know you could just call me joe it's easier no yeah me and matt get that <laughs> me and matt get that as well as a, as a daniel and a yeah, Matthew. Matthew. Yeah, not, yeah, 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 yeah. Not getting told off by your mom, but <laughs> like, by ours. Clarify yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one. That'd be strange, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, whereabouts are you anyway? Where, where exactly are you joining us from? So, come on, you can make us very jealous. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm in Huntington Beach in Orange County. So, you know, this is if you if you're not familiar with the area, it's right between LA and San Diego and they call us you know Surf City USA so oh, is that where the main what was the show my wife used to watch the OC we used to on E4 years ago yes was that Orange County uh, it was yeah it was that's the one it was nothing like that but <laughs> yeah you know, it's the, nothing like the other one was do you remember California Dreams that was on a that song. No, it was a, no, it was a program. California Dreams that was made in America. So, uh, was that on After Midnight? No, no, it was on Nickelodeon. <laughs> yes, right. that was on one of the special channels. It was on Nickelodeon. You needed, a pin, was... you needed a pin number to get <laughs> yeah, onto it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never found a pin number. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, uh, thank you so much for joining us, then, uh, Joe. Have you uh, have you been able to listen to many of the podcasts? How did you? Uh, we always find it interesting to find out how you discovered the show because obviously this is is still a relatively new thing. Yeah, I found you guys uh, your show shortly after, maybe almost like just a week after uh, we had lost our daughter, oh, wow. and um, you know at that point in time. I was just kind of looking for some sort of, uh, of guidance because and we talked about it in the little mini episode. There just, there's, there are resources, but mm. not like there should be. It's just something that somebody brought up a term, um, that really resonated with me. They called it a disenfranchised grief because Ooh. it's something that just is not spoken about that much. And people don't want to talk about it, um, over here. And we know it happens. Everybody is aware of 
you know, the possibility, but it's just not really elaborated on. And, um, I had to really search for some resources and you guys were one of the first ones that popped up and it, you know, for the first few weeks, I, I kind of, I listened to this program almost religiously. You had like the elephant in the room and the days that creep up on you, oh, wow, yeah. you know, those first couple of episodes. I think one of my favorite was a guy from Ireland. Oh, was oh, it Ian? Ian he gets mentioned yeah, so much, does he? Yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah, he was the guy He's a really car. good storyteller. Yeah. Just a really good storyteller. Natural story, absolute yeah. natural. We'd, we, we're actually trying to get him back on. We will, yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah, we will, yeah. At some point. Yeah, yeah. Gary... Um, uh, was it Anderson? Gary Anderson? Gary Anderson. Oh, yes, yeah. the reformed gangster. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that guy. That guy was fun. Yeah. You know? I, I, so, one, yeah. one of my favorite parts about Gary's episode, in fact, if you're listening to the edited one here, you'll hear this clip. I'd actually worked for gangsters and things as a, as a bodyguard and all the wrong people. I went down the wrong road for mm. that. And I made myself so far male dominated in the sense to not look at any sort of soft side or weak mm. side to me. That's not mm. who I am, but. I become. I lost who I was. I became a chameleon, to be honest. But then I lost my own identity. Then yeah. I had no clue who I was. How did you get that back? Meeting Michelle, as I said earlier, I'd walked into a pub to meet my boss to take out some drug dealers. Actually, and I met her. I met her there, really. And a year later, I was married to her. And I do believe things happen for a reason. Some people might say they don't, but that woman has saved my life. Meeting her absolutely saved my life. And. What she's went through with me, the cancer, the losing the, the, the twins, it's she doesn't deserve any of that, man. She's she's an angel, her like. So I was going into a pub to take out some drug dealers. <laughs> yeah. That's how we started. Yeah. As one does, you know. I just loved his honesty and he was yeah. brilliant. We no. need to get him back on as well. I like but I like I like that Joe can remember yeah. specific episodes as well yeah. that have really helped well, really resonated with him as well. I think but it's I important, think that's, right? Yeah, and, and I think it's that's important. where Absolutely. that clearly yeah. shows the support that the podcast offers to to our listeners in the respect that they can remember things from certain episodes that have, they've been able to relate to or yeah. been able to, yeah. you know, hold on to to help them within their yeah. within their grieving process. Yeah, 100%, absolutely. Um, and they, obviously the links, if you are brand new to this, the links uh, for those are in the description to this. Just one word of warning, they are very, very early days when um, it was lockdown, we're in Zoom and we all sounded like we were in toilets. Yeah, it sounded like Daleks. But, um, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> So, Joe, as we ask with all of our guests now to go into your story and please take as much time as you need. Uh, if you need to take a break at any moment, please do so. Ryan and Matt and anyone who is watching to the stream live, if you uh, would like to ask Joe any questions or just, just say something, then Ryan is, is looking at those right now. So you lost your daughter. It's Evangeline, wasn't it? And you and your wife, yeah. Tina. So I'll go back. I'll give you a little background first. When... I learned that my wife, uh, my now wife, Tina, was pregnant. We weren't married at the time. She was my girlfriend. Okay. And so go back a couple years. We've been going out about six or eight months. And in the fall of 2021, so a couple years ago now, uh, my mom got really, really, really sick. And she had to, she ended up in the hospital. And it was a battle that she just, she couldn't win. It was, she was um, diagnosed with colon cancer and it had already progressed to a point where, you know, she was passing. And that was, you know, right around Thanksgiving, 2021. And at that point, it would have been a very difficult, it was already a difficult episode, but it would have been really, really dark if I hadn't had um, Tina there yeah. with me. So 
that's about the time that I knew that, you know, I had found the person that I was supposed to be with. There was that little light there. So if you fast forward just about a month and a half, early uh, 2021, when, you know, I learned that she, she was pregnant, I was over the moon uh, with it. She didn't know how to like, she didn't know how I was going to react, but I was, I was really happy. I was really, really happy. Um, I'm kind of a, a little bit of an anxious person. So I was pretty well grounded. Okay. I knew that, look, we're only just starting. Let's just see how things go. And I didn't tell a lot of people. Right. I told, I think my closest uh, family and that was just about it, you know? And it's kind of like that kind of my, my kind of anxious feelings. Yeah. And I, I've always had since probably since my mom passed, but even before that, I've had a little bit of health anxiety. Right. Well, that's understandable. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all the stuff that's going on. And right at the beginning of 2022, everybody got that Omicron. Oh, yeah. Stuff. The COVID yes. variant. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no stopping it. I got it. My wife got it. And she was pregnant, too. Oh, gosh. You know, and this goes in, this will be relevant a little later in the story. But to me, that's where my anxiety kicked in because, yeah. like, how is that going to affect the pregnancy? Is it going to at all? And we kind of had to isolate a little bit from each other. I, I, I wasn't that sick. She was pretty sick, but we had both gotten the jab and it wasn't the end of the world. Okay. And things progressed despite that pretty well in the first trimester. She had major morning sickness, but we went in for the first scan and they don't do much on the first scan. It's just kind of like, all right, can we oh, find a heartbeat? And, I bet, I bet Tina know. loved you then. So you, you weren't really suffering yeah. from the Omicron. Like some people didn't get the <laughs> yeah. symptoms. Uh, Tina's got really bad morning sickness and struggling a bit yeah. from the COVID as <laughs> well. Honestly, you guys, I could have gone like, it, I, there's almost a little bit of guilt about it because I don't know. I could have gone for like a five mile run. But you know how it works. It's like certain people get it worse than others. Yeah. And it's, of course, the morning sickness with it. Uh, it just wasn't a very pleasant like January of 2022, you know? That's a very cool. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it sucked. And I, so I'm a teacher. What do you teach? I, I teach special education. Oh, wow. Okay. Brilliant. We kind of like, at that point in time, we kind of got back into our own little, We it was almost like a self-contained setting because you didn't want the kids running around. We already have kids who are medically really fragile and we don't want the kids running around exposing each other to yeah. each other really. But it, it did that make any difference? I don't know, but um, you know, it was just a really stressful uh, episode. There, I had that anxiety, like, how is this going to affect the pregnancy? But as it progressed, and she had that, you know, that morning sickness, the first trimester, everything really progressed all right, despite that. Okay, we I'm on the semester system, so we have two semesters in the school year, and about the time that we got through that little January episode, you know, maybe we reached week eight or nine was when the semester ended okay. and it was on in the second semester. And as soon as that wave came, it passed. So we continued on with the pregnancy and, um, we went, we did all the scans and everything looked good. Everything looked good. We did the non-invasive, uh, prenatal testing, you know what I mean? And, um, no problems. Obviously, my wife had lost some weight in the first trimester because of the Omicron and the morning sickness. Yeah. Um, and once we kind of got past that, I started to maybe I started to kind of relax because people think once you week, reach week 12, right, it's all good. It's interesting that yeah, because yeah. We've, we've, we've mentioned this a lot because not 
it, there's differing opinions on this, isn't it, Matt and Ryan? If I could bring you in just to give your your opinions on that again, with the the you know with the twelve weeks and how you're feeling about it, and and at what point to speak to people and tell them or or to not yet. Sorry, they both got mouthful, no, no, I think mouthfuls of to, um, skittles at the minute. <laughs> I think prior to losing Lily, we very much stuck to the twelve week yeah. because yeah. that was what. Do you need a couple of seconds camp. to swallow them chewy no, no, skittles? It's absolutely fine. I'm going to battle through it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I do. Yeah, okay, Matt. <laughs> no, I was. No, no, I'm good. No, I, I, I agree with Ryan. When we had, when we went on to have Etta, yeah, the twelve week thing didn't even come into play. Yeah, because we knew that based on your experience with Cali, where you were going, right? I think possibly it, it became a little bit bullshitty, right? in my opinion, in the sense of, let's say get the 12 weeks and then everything new, you'll go and you'll go. We got the 38 weeks and five days. So there's no value to that theory anymore. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. exactly. We got to 37. Yeah. So ultimately, yeah. it didn't really matter for us. And I, I know okay. it's different for everybody else. It didn't really matter for us whether, you know, you yeah. stuck to that 12 week because we'd had the experience yeah, yeah. Where, where like Matt's just said there, you almost got, yeah, get to 12 weeks and everything will be fine. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's not. And, and, so people um, shouldn't really put too much, you know. In my in, in my opinion, yeah. And I would never, I would never take the naivety away from people. I would never take the experience yeah, yeah. away from people because ultimately, they should do what they feel yeah. they want to do. It's a very subjective thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's why it's important yeah. to get the differing opinions from yeah. people like yourself and from Joe. For anyone who's listening to this podcast at the minute, who's who's going through that or yeah. gone through that, and it's the first time, and they yeah. they, they want some advice on it. It's just it, for me. We told people, after we'd lost Lily, sorry, we told people early when we were pregnant again, and we told the people we would want near us if something went wrong. Okay. Because like I've said, that 12 weeks, everything will be okay. Well, it wasn't okay for us. So for us, it was just very much, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see how it goes. But then we didn't really sing from the rooftops with it at the same time as well, because I think whenever you speak to a bereaved parent, when they've lost a baby and when they're pregnant again you don't ever think you're going to get to the end of the pregnancy. Do you know what? There was a message which came up in our WhatsApp group last week, the dads and granddads group that we got here with Lily May Foundation, which kind of went, I've, I've got to, I'll read this out later on in the episode because I thought it was, it was pretty much exactly what you've just mentioned there. The emotions and the feelings of juggling guilt with happiness. And mm. I've, I thought it was really interesting too. So yeah, we'll mention that before the end. So Joe, back to you. I'm, I am curious to hear, because you mentioned about your anxiety uh, especially yeah. during the early parts. So how how did you navigate that and how did you handle it maybe on a day when you were feeling a little bit more anxious than what is your baseline level? That's a really good question. I mean, for me, what I found is that I'm a physically active person. It's hard to kind of talk about, you, you know, if there's an objective observer, if you guys knew me really well, and you would see like the anxiety building up in me, it's like, hey, Joe, you haven't gone for a run in like oh, three days. okay. There it is, right there. We know him. We've got and, Matt. Is Matt? Yeah, he's the same. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you can relate to that. And for me, what it was is to have a regiment mm. and take care of yourself. Make sure you're not being, I don't know, being stationary. Yeah. And um, stay active. Yeah. And be part of that routine and and follow it with you know high fidelity. Does it clear your yeah. mind, Joe? As well. Like, yeah. Yeah, it does. And I it. Like now, after having experienced what I have, it's as important to me as eating food and sleeping. It's a basic necessity of life is going for a run. 
I do it every day. I would encourage anybody who's going through like an anxious period or whatever, and who hasn't done that to, or if you can't run, just go for a walk. You gotta, you gotta do something. Well, so. it's, it's exactly that, isn't it? It's, it's such a simple message. If you don't have to, mm-hmm. listen, you don't have to go running every day, like, you know, going on like Forrest Gump. You could just. You don't have to be a triad. Yeah, you could just go, just go for a walk. Fresh air. Just 10 minutes. Yeah, because you got inside your house with everything, it's such a hive of emotions, family, noise, everything that's going on. And sometimes just, you need to just get a bit of fresh air taking the, your bins the, out. The, the yeah. wall's closing. No, by the time you get to the end of your street, you already, yeah. you've got some more mental clarity. Yeah, it's yeah. easier to unpick some knots going on that you couldn't have done just before. And it doesn't mean you don't want to be in the house. It's just, yeah, yeah mental well-being, isn't it? It's huge. Yeah. You said, Joe, that you'd got through a chunk of the pregnancy yeah. and everything was good. And how far through are we going now where, you know, things are still good and... Things don't seem to be appearing to be different. and Things just kept progressing. We had a little bleed. She had a little bleed about 14 weeks and went in, and it was fine. It was no biggie. And, you know, they did another scan complimentary, and everything just looked beautiful. At this point, I was like, you know, this is like this is such a BS proposal. I was like, well, you want to you want to married? Would you be interested? <laughs> 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 like, you know, like, you got to go into the hospital anyway. You're having kids, and... <laughs> You know, my wife, she's such an angel. She was like, yeah, you know, that sounds, sounds good. <laughs> so I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like this is around like Easter time. We're entering like the – she's kind of starting to show, Yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> and um, we did, what we did is we went to the courtyard because you can just go – incidentally, two weeks ago, we actually had our wedding with the ceremony oh, and okay. our friends. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, congratulations. Oh, congrats. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. And that had been planned for a long time. But we figured, let's just go to the courtyard and, like, do the civil ceremony. And we can put that on the back burner. Mm. Then we had been planning that uh, wedding for a long time. Uh, right after, really, since right after we uh, had our loss. And it came to fruition a couple of weeks ago. It was really nice. But uh, it's doing good. It's good. Good. Yeah. Congratulations, but, mate, to you and Tina. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. But at this time, everything looked great. You know, we had our civil ceremony there and and i'm kind of approaching the end of the school year mm. now as a te- as a teacher and um you, you can do summer school but it's a separate contract so you don't have to do summer school okay. you're on a 10-month contract and in the past i've done it because it's it's fun and you're kind of you know with the students and it's kind of almost like a summer camp there's not really any expectations you're just kind of going out having fun but i was like okay basically the end of the second trimester is the beginning of the summer I'm just going to take the summer off Oh yeah, and we're just going to kind of settle in and enjoy this last part. She was due in mid September. So I was going to have to take a little time off there, but th- that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. And we did, she did another scan and the scan said everything was, they did like the internal organ scan. I wasn't there for that one. And they said everything was beautiful. And even my dad's like, how many scans is she going to get? She's, she's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? When, when, when I had you, we had, you know, three, you know how that is. I love your impression of you. I love your impression of your dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's where it got a little tough for me, but maybe about a 23 weeks. Right. They went in for a scan and everything looked fine, except for there was a pocket of fluid in the chest. Now, that's called a pericardial effusion. I know because I've had to look it up. And they were not particularly concerned about it. Everything else looked fine. And th- this is kind of where my anxiety comes mm. in when I talk about it. Because 
you know, and then my wife called me. She, I did the scan. Everything looks fine. They did find a little pocket of fluid in the chest, but they're not concerned about it at this point. They're just going to monitor it. These things, oftentimes something like that comes up and it's nothing or it just kind of resolves. On is, its it, own is it common? How common is that? Do any of you guys know? I, 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 must have I guess it's that. pretty common. Right. Okay. Um, it's not like, and most of the time, like I said, it's, it's nothing. Yeah. Okay. Um, can be caused by infection. You know, and it, it basically would just give some context around it. Um, so a pericardial effusion is when excess fluid builds up in the pericardial sac around the heart. Right. Yeah. And so that's what it is. And they also have like different, they could have that uh, fluid in different parts of the body as well. And they said, we're going to monitor it. We're not particularly concerned about it. Don't like sit there thinking about it. Of course, that's always I don't think about it, but here's the thing. And and everybody's kind of, and it kind of, like, I guess it kind of like burst my bubble a little bit because things were just cruising along great. Mm. But my wife wasn't particularly concerned about it. Uh, The doctors were were not particularly concerned about it. And, you know, we'll see you back in a month for another scan. Okay. Now this scan was the first one, or this is the last scan. And I'm going to get it to it in a second. Yeah. But at this point, pretty much everybody knows that I'm having a little girl. They even had like a little thing at school for me with the faculty, which made it way worse, way worse. But we finished up the school year and I'm sure that Matt and Ryan can kind of have their own. They can relate to this. You think about the days right before your loss. Because at that point in time, this is the first weekend of the summer. We had a great weekend. I had no idea what was coming. Like, no idea. We went to the beach. We went to the outdoor uh, fair. My wife, like, read on the beach while I went surfing. We're just, and I'm going, we're, we got the scan on Monday. I'm a little anxious about that pericardial effusion. But in my head, I'm like, just, it's going to be fine. All right. So there's my anxiety, and the weekend was fine. It's just kind of in the back of my head, and I'm like, let's just get through Monday. It's going to be fine. Mm. Um, I had, no, like again, no idea what was coming. The night before, we both kind of struggled sleeping a little bit. We actually went to another room. My wife's family was out on a, a cruise actually in your guys' area. I think they went to, like, Iceland and then Scotland, <laughs> Ireland, um, Cornwall. Like, they, they got these beautiful pictures. Yeah, nice. Um yeah, she's got. They got a big house up there in the hills, and we kind of had a, the place to ourselves. And so that morning was fine and everything. And we drive over to the doctor. A lot of your guests have talked about this, mm. and this is why I really like the show because a lot of guys have had this. I, I had this uneasy feeling that I couldn't just chalk up to my anxiety, and I'll I'll never be able to explain it. I, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I think a lot of other guests have kind of communicated something similar, but something just, I could feel it in my, my stomach something just wasn't right. I don't know what point it came on. It might've been there in the waiting room, but I just, I'll never forget it as long as I live. Something just didn't feel right. You know what I mean? You're right. A lot of guests have said that. It's this untangible. Yeah. Feet. F- yeah. Just it's there. It's like you got. Yeah. Something you got. And especially with yeah. with the the anxiety that you said you have yeah. to deal with on a daily level to a degree anyway. So that and, yeah. and 
and you and Tina were both feeling this, you said? I, she said she wasn't feeling it. Oh, okay. Um, in, in hindsight, and we talked about it a little later, but like, and this was more than just like the anxiety. It's like something just, yeah. I don't, I can't explain it. Yeah. We went into the, they, they called us up. We went into the room and we got the scan, right? And again, like it's getting worse and worse. It's like feeling of just unease. And I just tell myself like, just get through the next 20 minutes and you're fine. Okay. They do the scan and it's just quiet. And there's this kind of cheesy elevator music and the room is dark, right? You can see the thing. And I'm looking for the sonographer to do that little measurement thing on the pericardial effusion, because in my head, I saw the further, the pictures from the previous scan and it was, like 1.8 millimeters. And so they measured it. And, and so this is all incidental, but I saw it was like 2.1 measure, millimeters. So I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, it's gotten bigger kind of thing. Of course, it didn't grow in proportion to the baby at all. And it turns out this had nothing to do with anything, but it's just the anxiety yeah, yeah. of that moment. And, you know, she just asked these generic questions, you know, oh, my wife's like, you know, I don't see as much amniotic fluid as the baby grew, you know, that's the way it is. And and she asked my wife, um, have you had any cramps or any bleeding? And she's like, no, no. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to go get the doctor. And at this point, my, my heart rate is going like crazy, right? And so she goes out and, you know, a couple minutes later, the doctor comes in. And it, it, this room is like, I can never go in this room again. It's just seared in my brain. She puts the jelly on, he does a scan, he does the whole thing. You can see like the different angles and everything. And yeah. He looks down and just takes a second and then he looks up at my wife and I and it's that it's that look. You know what I mean? It's that look. And he just says I have really bad news. And I'm like what? And I'm thinking it has something to do with the pericardial effusion. And he just says there's no heart. Okay. You know, he said there's literally there's no heart. I'm like what are you talking about there's no heart? Like we just did the organ scan and there's a heart, like, yeah. didn't get this far. And he's like, well, there's no heartbeat. And then it was just like trying to describe that moment is really difficult. It's really difficult because literally, I mean, I would get up to take a leak in the middle of the night at like 2 AM when it's dark and quiet. And that's the first thing that pops in my head is that moment in that room. It's like, you're not really yeah. trained. You're programmed to go from, where I was that weekend to here 48 hours later and yeah. you've just lost everything just like, like that. And I felt it before it happened too, which is the weirdest thing in the world. The world just in an instant looks different. You fall through the floor. Yeah. And as Joe said, you're not, how can you prepare? <laughs> He just can't. And Joe's right about that moment. And Ryan's talked about it as well. I will never, ever, ever forget that. I, the years down the line, not masks it, but you don't go there as much, right? Yeah. Because your life moves, no. obviously. But yeah. that moment, <clears throat> excuse me, that moment when the doctor told me in that room, it's there. It's, it's, it's right there. I can go back yeah. in an instant. 
Well, Joe said it was oh, yeah. seared into his brain, and it's, it's, it's something else that we hear a lot is the the memory of of that room. I think I can't. Sorry, I can't remember which um, guest it was recently, but it was looking through the. Well, sorry, was it Gareth? It was Gareth. Looking through the window, and uh, Matt McConnell, I think, in Australian, yeah. he was outside. It wasn't a window, but he was literally on the bench outside the door, yeah. looking, you know, through, knowing what was going on the other side of that wall. And this comes back to what Ryan has always talked about about this subject your control has gone then right yeah oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. that's it yeah and also Joe I think that's where as men you were saying there that you had this this thing in your gut on the way there that something wasn't yeah. right and it was almost like you had heightened heightened anxiety and that you had a feeling that something wasn't right that's a time where you're starting to lose control over oh, yeah. the situation that you're in, even though, and, and this is the realism of it, you can't actually control what's going on anyway. Even if you're not given that news, you can't really control what's going on anyway. Yeah. And I think that's it's true. That's the difficulty is that you think you're in control, yeah. but you're actually not in control. Well, it's like a no man's land then, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a no man's land because what... It's exactly like a no man's land. That's the best way, that's the best term I've ever heard. It is, it's it's a no man's land because, yeah, absolutely. We can't control what's going on within that uterus, within that womb. It's it's what's happening Mm. there is happening. We can't control it. What we can control are the external factors around it. So, you know, we might drive to the hospital a little bit slower because we don't want to be in an accident or we might eat something yeah. different because we don't want to run the risk of yeah. becoming poorly or whatever that may be. So we can control the external factor. You can't control the thing that you want. No, it yeah. completely blows it's your mind, mind apart. It's, yeah. it's an absolute <clears throat> yeah. mind fuck. Even today, you know, we're over a year out. Like, there, there are moments where it just doesn't seem real. Like, that mm. moment in that room doesn't seem real. Mm. And it's yeah. like, no, that, that didn't happen. And there, there's like this Elizabeth Kubler-Ross thing where the stages of grief or whatever. And that might be useful to some people, but I always go back. Like, I never really accepted it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I guess that's the goal according to that is accept. I know that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm aware that it happened. I'm not in denial that it happened. But I've never really – we had heard – I had read about stillbirth. I knew about stillbirth. Joe, the, th- the thing is, those those stages that you're talking about there, are it's, it's effectively a way of just putting it down in black and white on paper. Yeah. Because And this is what I tell my clients who I speak to one-to-one regularly, is that, yeah, okay, there are stages to grief. But the way that these are written and the way that people read them is that grief is linear. And that you go yeah. from this bargaining into acceptance, into anger, mm-hmm. into, you know, everything else. It doesn't happen like that. You can no. flick between each different emotion and there's no, like the the prime one you've picked there is the acceptance. So yeah. if, if this model of grief where we go through all of these phases is true, what it's saying is that we're going to accept that we've lost our children. And that's complete bullshit because we're not. These stages of grief, yes, they exist, but there's no linear process to it because we we 
go in and out and and left, right, and centre, whatever that may be. So that's how that's yeah, it's a roller coaster. Absolute, that is literally the easiest way of explaining. It's a roller coaster. But you can get off a you can get off a roller coaster. Yeah, you can't get off this. Can't get off this one. No, you're right. And that's the worst. That's the that is the worst part. You know, you get off a roller coaster, you walk away from it. Fucking, I shit myself there, but I have to go back on it again. But this, this is like well. I shit myself all the time over this, but I can't get off it. Where are you at now in terms of handling your grief and also how it's affected changes with your relationships, whether it's with Tina or with friends, work colleagues, etc.? Well, the work, going back to work, and that I could probably almost do like a whole talk on that. That was very difficult. Okay. That was That was extremely difficult. Just going back to the routine of like, work and life and after you've done that you got this huge like weight on your shoulders that people can't really see some of the most mundane tasks become really tiring you know you lose the interest like after this happened you know i didn't really get into like the induction process after this and everything but it was not it was not easy you almost like kind of or out of your body a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been driving probably because I couldn't really see like 10 feet in front of my face. I was so out of it. Like I couldn't really taste food that well. Yeah. You know, people would say something to me and it would register like 10 seconds later, you know? Yeah. It's almost, it's PTSD is what it is. I mean, yep. it's just PTSD. Yeah. And yeah. so the things that that you enjoyed or that you could do easily in your everyday life become like a big hurdle every day mm. we were very uh, in some ways we were very lucky because we kind of, we grew together as a couple at, after this having been through it and being candid and leaning into each other but we went on a road trip about the time that evangeline was going to be born i took some time off work and we went to visit a bunch of national parks just so we weren't there yeah I was driving out through several states, out through California to Utah, and that helped. But there's no, there was no getting around it. That was going to be a very difficult episode. Mm. After we learned that we lost her in that room, the guy, he left us alone. And he said, I'll give you as much time as you need. And we just kind of, we wept together yeah. in the room there. And this why I, I can't get out of that room in my head. He came back and knocked on the door and told us our options. He said, you can, she can hold on to the baby for up to two weeks, but it's not going to look like what you want it to when it comes out. Okay. And I kind of, we talked and kind of decided that we were going to get the induction done, the extraction or whatever they call it as soon as we could. Um, And so you got that two, that, that kind of purgatory period where it's, you know, the baby's gone and it's like a couple days right there and before between when you learn and when you can go into the hospital to actually do the labor it's just the weirdest period right there yeah we got in the hospital the next evening and it was bad because the way the baby was inside of her was not easily conducive to labor so it took a long time and i didn't sleep for like maybe like four days during that whole process we had to there had to be a lot of applications of like this drug to induce labor 
and it was very painful. It's just the worst. You know, by the time it was all done, you know, I was resigned and I was so tired that I almost couldn't, I met the baby, but I didn't, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. We weren't going to get pictures taken or anything because we didn't want to. And the nurse convinced us to do it. So we did. She's like, you can put it, you can get them taken. You can put them on the shelf somewhere. In hindsight, are you happy that they convinced you to the nurse or how do you feel about that? Yes. Because we have, we had a few people say similar. That's the reason why I'm asking. In hindsight, definitely. It's understandable though, Joe, at at that time that, that you don't want that. And like yeah. like Dan said there, we've had a lot of people who have come on and said that they chose not to have photos or that they they were taken anyway and they were put into a little memory box or they were told, you know, look, we'll do them and then you can keep them and look at them at, at whenever you want. Like we say, it, it's like you're in some paranormal universe where yeah. you are just... There's something which sticks out for me where you were talking about even just doing the normal daily things was just oh, like driving and eating and so yeah. mundane and everything. I I remember walking up the stairs at home and I got halfway up the stairs and it's like something stopped me from just walk continuing to walk. Oh yeah. And it was just like I can't even be asked to climb the stairs. It, I, I felt that low. I couldn't even climb the stairs. And it's the most surreal experience. Because all you would think is you just put one foot in front of the other. But it was like something had just taken control of me. Is it like some mental paralysis? It was like a, yeah, it was like. Yeah, like catatonic, you know. Yeah, I had, great word. I had a similar one. I had this, this mug, this coffee mug just rattling around like the front passenger seat of my car for like yeah. weeks. Just And it was just there and. Uh, part of me was like, pick it up. Yeah. And it's like, why? Why, why am I picking it up? You know? Absolutely. And it, it is, it's just yeah. little things like that, isn't it? And it, and I'm, that just, yeah. that, that paints. It's funny because you, when you, you know, when we speak to guests, we hear a lot of stories. We hear deep thinking stories. We hear stories of, of everybody's stories, sorry, that are so raw at the same time. And even though, you appear as you're talking to us now to be sitting there and you're quite happily telling us your story. I can understand, and I know Matt can understand as well, just what you're actually carrying there and what is actually sat there with you that you're trying to offload at the same time. And it's like every single word is an effort. And it's like every single bit of the story is an effort. It's tiring, yet it's... I've always said I'll never get ever ever get tired of talking about Lily. Yeah. But for me, yeah. for me, it's tiring. It's like this is yeah. my every day. Yeah. I mean, Joe, Joe summed it up. It's like you've got an invisible weight on your shoulders. I think it's and- important for anyone who's listening to uh, find the way to this podcast. Yeah. And the loss is is recent, and I think it's quite clear from all the guests that this is part of the journey you are, and oh, it's yeah. completely okay. So if you're having don't beat yourself up for having to stop halfway up the stairs or yeah, no, not take some shit out of your car because right now the yeah. least important thing is yeah, going absolutely. on isn't it? and I think going back to what Joe had said earlier about the not accepting part I think that's really important because if something bad happens in your life in general there's probably a way to fix something at least yeah. to a point where you're comfortable with it yeah. the only thing that can fix this whole situation is our children coming back. 
and being here physically. And we know that's not going to happen. So, yeah. excuse my language here, how the fuck do you expect accept that? How do you accept something like that? Because the only thing that would fix it completely is your child. Sometimes I feel like there's another person walking with me almost, that that's the person that I was, and I'll never be that person again. But... I'm this person now, yeah. but I take little bits from that person because I'm back almost to what I was, but I'll never be that person. And, yeah. and I always say the gap is Cali yeah. in between. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. not the same person I used to be. And no. I used to be the guy that during the graduation, I would do like the keynote speech and stuff. Like I used to be able to get up and talk in front of crowds of people. And I've, there's been some changes that are positive. I feel like I'm more empathetic okay. than I have been yeah. asked towards other people having been through this. And, and just keep in mind that, you know, only seven months earlier, I lost my mom too. Yeah, yeah. So it was like that weight and that you learn to live with it. Yeah. You don't accept it. You get better at, at, at living with it. Yeah. But you don't, like you said, the acceptance thing, I've never been able to, uh, or nor do I even want to. I asked Matt this. Um, I asked Matt this question last week, as soon as you, you mentioned it up about the person that you was then and the person and the changes. So same for you, Joe. If the the person that you are now and the person mm-hmm. from before your losses, would you get on with each other? Oh. <laughs> um, there would be some. Uh, there there would be some. There would be some static. Probably. Oh wow! Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there might be. Um, <laughs> I think we'd be all, we've managed to come to terms with each other, but um, interesting. That's a good question. I haven't thought about that. Though. Yeah, I've often said this experience is. Imagine that you you do sport, whatever it may be. Imagine you go for a run and you fall yeah. over and you cut your knee, and yeah. it bleeds and it hurts, and then eventually it heals, but it's not fully healed because there's a scar there, and you're walking yeah. around with that scar for the rest of your life. Every now and then that scar hurts a little bit because that's just what happens. And the difference between this is that you can't see this scar because this scar is internal. And the only way we can show this scar is by externally expressing exactly how we feel. No, and that's why, like, when I listen to your guys' show and I hear some of these harrowing stories, it's... Very helpful. And I haven't talked, I haven't told too many people the story here. Only people who I know had been through something similar. This is like kind of the first part. And I guess I'll end like that first part. When when Evangeline came into the room, you know, they dressed her up and they made her look nice. And I forced myself to, but I couldn't, I couldn't do, I was there for the birth and everything. I didn't turn away. I didn't, I was there the whole time, but in that moment, I couldn't do what I needed to do to be there. And so I went out and left my wife alone with her and she fell asleep with her in her arms. We had two very helpful, the nurse that I told you about, and there was also a social worker with uh, us. Yeah. And she closed off a room because we're on a suite and it's just, the, it's not like a bereavement suite. You know what I mean? It's just the, yeah. it's just the birthing this is the hospital and there's babies all around and they're crying okay. and we get like a little leaf, the sticker on our front door. That's like, it's like a lake. It's like a surface of a water with like a okay. leaf that touching the water and like the little ripples. And I guess that's a symbol for baby loss. And so they stuck that on our front door to be like, Hey, 
just so you know. Oh, um, right, this is I what's see. going on in this room. Wow. She allowed me this corner area that was adjacent to our room, and it was just like a little alcove, a little nook, and I could go back there, and I just sat there for a couple hours, and I thought, right in that room over there is my my daughter, my dead daughter, and my wife. And they came in and said, you know, I don't know, I know you don't want to hear this, but in California, when the baby gets past 24 weeks, you have to, um, we have to arrange for some way to dispose yeah. of it. So I just got to work, and I found a nice nearby mortuary arranged for a cremation. And so afterwards we get back home and my, then the ladies will have this thing where they still are producing milk. Mm. So it's like the adding insult to injury kind of thing. Yeah. I just decided I was going to go to the beach. I was just going to go surfing until I feel better and run and whatever. And I had a thought that, you know, I didn't say the things that I wanted to say. And so I called it the mortuary and they opened up on a Sunday and they were closed and they let me go and talk to her and say the things that I wanted to say that I just couldn't in that moment in the hospital. And that's pretty much mm. the, the end of the first part of my story. And the second part hasn't really been written a hundred percent because I'm still, we're still getting out of it. You know, we're in the process of trying again and it's very difficult. Thing and, is though, um, the thing is though, Joe, you, you, you are doing, the fact you've come on this show, the fact Ooh. you've reached out, you are, for want of a better phrase, attacking the second part as, yeah. as well as you can, right? And that's all you can do. Yeah. We can all do our best, and that's what you're doing. And remember that yeah. every day you're doing your best, and that's that's what you need to hold on to, right? Yeah, I, I, thank you. And I, I do tell myself that. That's a, something that somebody, if you're going through something like this, you gotta you got to be easy on yourself. You know, you got to be your own drill sergeant to some degree because you can't allow yourself to wallow. And, well, it's true, you know, isn't it? You, you yeah. habits, but you got to also take it easy on yourself. Be, be your own drill sergeant. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's true, isn't it? A little bit. You need a bit of tough love in your life from, no, you from other people. And I think we live in, we live in um, a social climate now where it's hard to sometimes just have a, have a word. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. And to be able to do that to, your, to yourself as well and how you mm. mentally arm yourself to deal with your grief and with your day-to-day because you look you go like you say you go back to work you've got your relationships you've still got you've your life will carry on yeah the different stories and ways that our guests have told us about how they've gone on about that and i'm sure the same way that when you came on tonight and you referenced the likes of ian lawton and gary anderson and some of the previous episodes that we've had people will be listening to your words and what you've had to say and hopefully will have the, the same amount of comfort that you've had from from others and when you feel the time is right to to continue like you say your your next part of the story we'd love for you to come back on and, and join sure. us again if you'd be so willing joe yeah i would yeah we'll do a part two circle back in a few yes. months or something and uh, yeah i'd be happy to yeah i really enjoyed it <laughs> Ryan and Matt, is there anything that you'd like to to mention to Joe or ask before we before we close off this episode? Joe, I think you've again. I say this to a lot of guests, and and I, I genuinely mean it when I say it, is that you've um, you've done your little girl proud because it's very very hard to be able to talk about something that is so emotive and yeah. giving people, you know, almost a sort of glimpse of what you have to go through daily and what is on your mind 
daily and all the the battles that you've had to to um deal with yourself with regard to the anxieties and things like that like i say i think the the dignity that you've shown is great and i think you've done your little girl proud and i'm sure yep. evangeline would be one very very happy little girl absolutely well, thank you i appreciate that that's yeah I, I really appreciate you guys having me on it's it's cathartic to come on and and talk about it. I was about to ask, it's interesting to hear how people feel at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. I actually had a message, I hope he doesn't mind saying, if I'm, uh, from a, I'll just say a previous guest. Yeah. Not so long ago, and said that they just heard their episode for the first time and it was harder to listen back to it than it was to be on it. Mm-hmm. At the time, which I thought was, was interesting, but, mm. and, and just drove listening to it. I think it took a few weeks to, to build up to it and then listen to it on the, on the way to work. Yeah. Thank you, thank you so much, Joe, for being so open, you, for, for so honest, and for sharing your story with, with everybody. And we'll, most certainly we'll get you back on whenever you're ready to, to join yeah. us again. Or obviously now, you know, we're building up a little, um, a little collection of American guests, especially all in California. So the Still yeah. Parents podcast road trip is... Yeah, I agree. I, 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 yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. If there are any benefactors that would like to pay <laughs> for us to go first class over to America, then we will duly oblige. How far do you live, by the way, Joe, from the Hollywood sign? <laughs> I live probably about 40 miles from the Hollywood That's sign. not bad. That's not bad. Oh, see how happy Matt just Because I'm not yes. sure if you heard that episode. It was the first episode we did with David Kashavarov, which was, I think, 50, early 50s. And uh, Matt asked my, one of my favourite questions. Well, he's asked a few, actually, over the last couple of years that yeah. I really like. Yeah. Geography with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, you know? yeah. <laughs> that's madness. He knows the fucking line. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So Matt's looking for someone to hold his hand while he touches the Hollywood sign, which sounds wholly inappropriate. But, yeah. <laughs> no, there, there is, I don't know, you're not going to be able to touch it, but there is a hiking trail up there. If you guys like hiking, you can, yeah. you can get a pretty close view of it and yeah. get some pictures. Oh, yeah, yeah I was going to say, you probably can't touch it because that would just be, be people all the time. People good. all the time, yeah. No, you're not going to let you touch it. I will find a way, man. Don't worry about that. I'll find it. <laughs> just wiggle them long toes through the fence. <laughs> Absolutely, right. Get out, you go, go, gadget arms. That's yeah. it, yeah. Um, <laughs> Joe, thank you very much. We won't keep you uh, any longer. Enjoy the rest of your uh, what is Sunday? What is it? Sunday afternoon now? Where you are now? Yeah, it's, it's about one oh five. Oh wow! Okay, so I get it. And, and the sun just came out. It's starting to look kind of nice. So all right, show off. We got a bit of cloud and moon here. <laughs> cloud and moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you, Joe. Take care. This has been episode 66 of the Still Parents podcast. As always, we would love it if you could just take a moment or two to uh, leave us a quick review. The reason why we ask for this is, well, obviously, to massage our egos, which is important, but most importantly, because it helps the podcast get discovered. Stillparentspodcast.co.uk, our website, and you can find us on our socials using that too. Take care, everybody, and we will be back very soon. A couple of weeks' time. A couple of weeks. Yeah. 